I hope I can make it through a Degrassi viewing podcast. I'm your veteran Donnie. I'm your Scroogey neophyte. And today we are going to be taking a look at one of our Degrassi interludes, checking out A Veteran's Christmas, which is a recent Hallmark movie, which yikes Rooney, because... This was planned before all of the controversies surrounding Hallmark and its homophobia. Yeah, we do not support Hallmark or their bullshit. Yeah, this was just... Timing just did not work in our favor. Hey, Hallmark, grow a pair. (laughs) Yeah, but we were... You know... It's just... These things happen. These things happen, and honestly, we're not even going to be able to remotely recommend this not just because of the moral reasons but also on a quality level this movie is garbage this movie fucking blows <laughs> so before we get too far into this let's stick a big old content warning because this movie like a lot of movies of this nature tend to romanticize emotional abuse stalking things like that which we're going to talk about how that is fucked up um and there's this also very odd undercurrent, which I guess is not that odd because it's kind of predictable at this point, of um, of telling, having law enforcement and the justice system show intense bias and use their powers for intimidation. Yeah. So also that is something we're going to be talking about. So just be aware of those two main concepts and that's kind of, th- those are my big feelings on this. Yeah, um, and we're going. To, we are going to be discussing um, like trauma, uh, like military trauma and whatnot, right? Or like the lack of discussion of it in this movie. Yeah, I mean, what's so? Before we get too far into this, I mean, Frank, do you want to introduce the premise of this movie? Um, I mean, it's every fucking Hallmark movie ever. A woman shows up at a town that is weirdly obsessed with Christmas, meets a straight white man who is literally the most blandest cardboard cutout of a person you've ever met, and then they end up falling in love? Or just weird, he has a weird obsession over her, Um, Christmas cures all ills, everybody's kind of happy by the end, fuck this movie, I don't believe in Christmas anymore. I mean, my big thing is, so Frank, I know with Teen Girl Talk, you have tended to have to, like, watch a lot of, like, how much, how much, like, Hallmark movie stuff have you done for? We've never done a Hallmark movie. We've done shit tons of Lifetime movies. Okay. So I think we've done at least 10 Lifetime movies at this point. Because we had, we had, last year, we just went kind of buck wild, oh, this year, we went buck wild and just went, like, oh, we had a Lifetime movie month. What do we have planned for October? How about another Lifetime movie month? I mean, that makes sense. I was curious, because, like, for me, I've never really watched, like, Hallmark movies. But especially, like, I tend to, in general, because of trauma, I tend to not really gravitate toward Christmas media. Like, I listen to, like, one Christmas album, which is, like, a Chris Farron album. And, like, I I maybe, maybe bop around to uh, the classic We Three Kings. But, like, that's kind of the extent of my relationship with Christmas media. So, like, I don't really watch Christmas movies unless you count, like, Nightmare Before Christmas, which even then it's like, is it a holiday? Like, what kind of holiday movie is it? Um, Other than that, like, I personally don't really, you know, really watch a lot of them, give or take a couple movies that have, like, Christmas within the setting. I don't feel like debating what is or isn't a Christmas movie in that, if we start going into it in that way. But, like, I think the reason why is because when I was watching this movie... I find the setting to be so unrelatable. Yeah. And, like, in the sense of, like, it, it's, it's, they are so obsessed with Christmas. And I understand it's a Christmas movie, but it's, like, it's just kind of, like, it's so odd when you live in Jersey and you work in New York City and you're, like, watching this and you're, like, oh, oh, we are, we are, it is fairly convincing portrayal of a world in which there are no other religions. <laughs> or, you know, people of color. But it also portrays a very specific type of Christianity, um, which is also very peculiar. Because it's like, even if you want to start going into, like, the nuances of Christianity, it's like they all kind of seem to be, like, the type that go to church, but still are really into, like, the secular aspects of Christmas. And, like, it's just this really weird 
balance and portrayal and I guess that's the point of Hallmark movies is is to kind of appeal to that vaguely Christian market. It's like they're trying to make it magical, but it just feels like weird and cultish. Right, right. So like this whole entire thing is this premise starts. She is a recently honorably discharged uh, veteran grace and she buys like she literally like gets off the plane, buys a car drives and as she's driving she gets caught in a like ice she slides she crashes into a bank she goes outside uh, she has like a little tiny bit of blood on her head <laughs> something i didn't even think of while we were watching this movie why doesn't she just fly to cincinnati right right like she she has a job in cincinnati she's starting in february for whatever reason she has driven she has been flown into a specific area as if cincinnati doesn't have its own airport and is driving i guess to cincinnati and as she drives she has her car she hits she hits the she hits the bank her hair head is slightly bleeding and now she is like she's just kind of sitting there and she sees this dog who is incredibly cute and literally the, the mvp of this movie the, yeah the dog's the best part of this whole movie the dog is the best fucking part the dog is, like, really cute, and she connects with the dog, and the dog leads her toward a home, which is meticulously decorated. <laughs> and here's the thing. Like, you go into the... You see this house, and it's it's decorated very, like, country Christmas. Like, I don't know how to describe it, but it's kind of like if you, if you were to flip through, like, those, like, home and garden type magazines. Yes. Like, that's how it looks like it's decorated. A lot of garlands with red ornaments and, um like white clean lights it's it's a lot of that type of stuff she walks up to the door and the most the most uneventful love interest opens up the door he is like you you literally just could have had a cardboard cutout of a man and that would have been better than this dude (laughs) yeah it's just the chemistry is just not there from the jump and he's also like just not interesting to look at He's just not interesting to look at. He is boring in both appearance and and uh, personality. Yeah, he's incredibly stiff. He lets her in. He cleans up her her head. Um, but like, even then, I'm sitting there going, maybe it's because I have first aid training. I'm like, oh my god, she might. We need to see if she's concussed. Like, are we are we gonna test out her memory, see if she like retains anything? Are we gonna see how her if her eyes can follow like a finger and stuff? <laughs> Not what happens. Um, He's like, how many fingers am I holding up? She's like, three, I think. I'm just like, that's a trip to the hospital. Right, right. There's probably no hospital in this damn town. Or you know what? The cure for everything is Christmas. True. He like. He's like, let's rub some oatmeal cookies on your head, and that'll fix you right up. Right. Like he makes her tea. They chat a little bit, um, and as they're chatting. Okay, if we're not, like okay, keep going. But I just want to point out, like every fucking conversation rolls back somehow to the fact that she is a veteran and he is a judge. These people, and that it's Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> these three points must be determined every single time. So the way that we establish that he is involved in the law is because she mentions like, "Oh, a dog led me here," um, and it's. And he's like, oh, is she, like, a white dog with a little, like, a little patch on her eye? And she's like, yeah. And she's like, and he's just like, that's Justice. As Justice comes in. And Justice is the cutest fucking dog. Looks like some sort of boxer mix going on. She's a beautiful little face. And I love this dog. And um, she is just kind of fussing with Justice in a very specific way, like, lifting her jowls and shit. And I'm just like, what is happening here? And she reveals... <laughs> I, I need to see if Justice is a show dog. <laughs> right. And she reveals that in the Marines, she worked in the canine unit, and she had a dog named Christmas, because, of course, the dog's name was Christmas. <laughs> and um, she was just like, yeah, you know, I had to, I couldn't give the dog up, because she, I don't even know the gender of the dog. Um, Christmas had a, Christmas was specifically trained and she couldn't take the dog with her. Um, so we can kind of tell that this is like a big deal for her, in theory. 
Um, Joe then goes to the mechanic with her. The mechanic is obviously related to him because it's this type of small town, which just even thinking about them gives me agita. Um, and he, and the guy is just like, well, her his uncle is like, well, you know, uh, this, because it's the holidays and everything, it's gonna take a while probably for me to get the parts replaced, and she's just like, I gotta get going, I gotta get to Cincinnati, like, what the fuck? And uh, She's like, I need to be in Cincinnati by February. My job starts in February. I'm just like, okay. Um, can't relate. But, so, so that happens, that whole entire thing happens. He's just like, well, you're gonna have to stay a little bit. She's like, how, what am I supposed to do? And then Joe is like, <laughs> Hey, I got a cottage. What the fuck? <laughs> I have a cot. I have a cottage on a judge's salary in this super small town. So well, I mean, okay. So I'm gonna. That's my ignorance. I don't know how much judges make. I'm assuming it's okay money, but it's just like he has a cottage. He has a barn. Like he has a lot of stuff. I kind of all of it just seems storage for Christmas. Because, like, they're, like, throughout the movie, we just see truckloads of Christmas decorations being pulled out of that barn. And I would have been like, why don't you get some animals or something, something useful, instead of just Christmas decorations? It's just, like, it's just one of those things that, um, it's just so, I mean, I kind of got the read that Joe comes from some sort of... It just, it just seems like there's so many generations that he... Because, like, basically his whole family lives in this town and has roles in this town. I kind of assumed he came from, like, weird small town money. I guess. Like, something that gives him the privilege to be able to be literally the only judge in this town. Yeah. Um... I just kind of assumed he just has a lot of money. Or, like, it's one of those things where it's like his family owned the property and then he inherited the property, etc., etc. Yeah. Some, something like that. But he's like, go look at the cottage, see. And of course, as as he's introducing the cottage, Frank is like, this thing's gonna be fucking decorated. <laughs> and then we go to the cottage, and what do you know? It is meticulously decorated. There's a there's a bucket with fresh poinsettias in it. There's a full Santa outfit. Yeah. There's just like garland everywhere. There's this like framed photo of a rooster, which is then like has like garland hanging off of it. <sighs> It's it's a lot, and he claims like, "Yo, this is my man cave." It's like, do you get a man cave when you already live in a big house alone? <laughs> Why would you need two? Like, does that count? Are you just leaving justice? It's like, yo, justice, you know, it's it's been a rough day, and I I need some space. <laughs> I'm sorry, it, but here's the thing: Joe doesn't also seem to have like he has one friend. Yeah, who's the cop? Great. So the judge and the cop are best friends. Yeah. What a great town to live in. <laughs> um, but you also made an assumption that I I'm not allowed to make about Joe when you saw his house. Oh, oh, his his house is decorated way too precise for a fucking cishet dude. <laughs> okay, and let's also throw out the fact that he is pickling everything. Right. He has like, a like he has. There's just mason jars of pickling stuff like on the counter. I was like, are you binging with Babish? Are you? Because that's the only straight cishet man I know that pickles things. Is he straight? Oh yeah. Huh. Which I was I was surprised about honestly. Okay. I mean, I, I, like whenever <laughs> this is my own bias. Whenever I see like a dude that put together, I'm like, there's no way he's straight. <laughs> straight dudes are messes. As you're recording this in your pajamas. I'm in my bedroom. <laughs> it's true. You are. <laughs> So it's my day off. Good for you, honestly. I'm. This is like the first day of winter break for me, so I'm on vacation. And you're in your pajamas where at your house. We're, we're recording in my house because we figured the cats would be too much to like handle while we're recording three episodes today. Yeah, yeah this is episode one. I was going to say, like, leave me alone. I'm depressed. And I realized that has no traction in this space. <laughs> <laughs> so I won't. That's, of course that has traction. <laughs> That's very kind, Frank. Anyway. It's not like you change houses and like, well, there goes like, m there goes my feelings. My, no, the kid of feelings. I, I left I my wish. <laughs> I wish. I wish. I left my house and I went to a different bedroom and boom, there go my naked feelings. <laughs> Yo, if that was, if I could do that, I'd be saving so much money. Oh my God. Then you'd just be a sim. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I'm so... That's great. I'm so depressed. Oh, but I have a new nightstand! Right, like... <laughs> look, if, if it was that simple, I would be so happy. But, um... We don't live in that world. But yeah, like, this place, like I said, it looks like... Better Homes and Gardens, like one of those magazines your your family got and you didn't really know why and you flipped through it and went, this looks boring as shit and put it to the side. Um, it's just so... Also, like, as somebody who lives alone, m- for me personally, I-, I don't really decorate that much unless it's Halloween. Because it's just like, I'm the only one looking at it and I don't care about Christmas. So, like, yeah. <laughs> why am I putting all this effort? And, like... <laughs> I don't think he's boning down with, like, the, the, the five women in this town he's not related to. <laughs> and, like, I, w- I was saying, like, if I met anyone who was this obsessed with, like, Christmas... Like, I'm I'm okay with people being, obs- being passionate about their hobbies. You know, I think it's fine. But, like, when you're obsessed with, like, a thing like Christmas or, like going to Disney or something and like that's your whole world and like everything is just a lead up to the next time you get to do that thing that is a bit too obsessive for me it's weird because it's like I feel like it's something that how many layers can you possibly like if he was like a Christmas enthusiast in the sense of like he could tell you about Christmas traditions in different countries and things like that that'd be super interesting I would be charmed by that like I would be like oh okay but in the, his obsession with Christmas is is in like in it's very odd because it's not even in the sense of I think they don't make a clear enough I think what they were trying to do is they're trying to make it like he really loves Christmas because it makes him think of his community and the connection that he has with his community and family. But the way that they write him in a way that's so stiff and flat that you don't make that jump. Yeah. And he's just like, I love Christmas. I love decorations. I love decorating. And it's like, okay. Like, it feels like this town just goes into, like, a depressive state as the minute Christmas is over. Right. Like, December 26th, 12.01 a.m., like, everybody is just going to basically just be like, well, what's the point of anything, really? Right. Like, they just go so hard. And time is also really hard to grasp because of it. Because they're so obsessed with Christmas and everybody doesn't really seem to be working. Does this school, does this place, just like December 1st, they're like, winter break, everybody's done, let's just talk about Christmas. Um, but it's it's very peculiar in that sense. Anyway, so he reveals formally that he is the town judge. And... Also, I think it's like 20 minutes before we even find out what his fucking name is. Right, like, forever. We're sitting here, we're like, okay, that's Grace. Okay, that's Justice the dog. Oh, Grace Garland. Right, I forgot her name was Grace Garland. <laughs> Jesus, fuck. I, I'm, I'm like, Joe, jo, something Christmas beginning of a J. Something. Joe Jingle Bells. Well, you, that's like, what his fucking name should have been. I would have liked him so much more if his name was Joe Jingle Bells. To be real with you, I feel as though, like... I feel like I will never be sad about me not being able to come up with what I find to be a good character name because nothing will ever be as bad as Grace Garland. <laughs> <laughs> ever. But <laughs> I think Joe Jinglebells is a pretty fucking bad name too. <laughs> That's also bad in its own unique way. Um, so the next day happens. Joe's sister Katie shows up. She is the town's hairdresser because of course she is. Um, she has a bunch of clothes to give Grace because Grace is going to be stuck for an indeterminate amount of time and has no clothing. Why Did she, she just, like, leave with the hoodie and the green jacket on her back? I, who, what, but, oh my god, who knows? Like, um. Like, I get, like, she's been wearing fatigues for the past six years, but, like, she doesn't have a sweater. Like, she doesn't have, like, underwear. Like. Can I, um, can I just reveal something of a personal nature real quick? Sure. My, um, my grandfather, uh, when he first got out of the army, uh, he went on, and he was in college, because he went on the GI Bill. Mm-hmm. Um, he, the first, like, his first date with my grandmother, he, um, didn't have any formal, like, clothing to wear, so he just wore his dress, uni- dress uniform. Like, so, you know, the, the good clothes. Right. And, um, apparently when my grandmother got home that night, she said to her roommate, that's the man I'm going to marry. That's very sweet. So. 
I just thought that because he's just like, I don't have anything except for my dress, like... Right. <laughs> my, my dress military uniform. I'm like, okay, I guess this is me now. So. Hey. That's sweet. I will I will say that. That is very sweet. I have a better love story than this one. Um. Yeah. But anyway, it's like, Katie has, like, these different outfits because they're conveniently the same size, and this is the other thing, like... They're not. <laughs> they're not, number one. Number two, it's like... Are they just church going? Because it's not like they're going to church on Christmas Day. Like, I understood. I would understand if it was like, let's get dressed up. It's Christmas Day. I know, like, if you go, you're going to look like a schlub. But, like, they're just going to church on a Sunday before Christmas. Yeah, like, why? And also, they're just, like, one of my biggest problems with this movie is they just keep assuming Grace can is willing to go to these things with them. And I'm just like, can somebody just let Grace relax? Like... Can somebody let Grace relax? But also it's like, they don't go to church any other time outside of the scene. So I hesitate to even characterize any of these people as religious. Because it's like, it's a one and done thing. Ultimately, they go to church and it's kind of really intimidating and awful because you have everybody like being surrounding her. Um, also, you see Aunt Nellie measuring stuff because, like, she's part of the Christmas committee. Of course, she's related to Joe. Um, and they go to church and they meet the family, which includes, like, Katie's daughter and son. Um, you meet Joe's mom, I think. Is Fran his mom? Who knows? I think. I don't know. I think so. Like, she meets, like, all of her his immediate family. And I just kind of looked at Frank. I was like, what would you do if, like... Two seconds into dating somebody, you've met their entire family. <laughs> I would. Uh, <laughs> They're not even dating, but just like. That, that would be like, we are moving far too fast. Right, right. And like, everyone is staring at her because she's the new person in town. Um, you know, making everything just super easy for this veteran. <laughs> right. And and this is also where I feel like this this is very odd to me because it's like, I just, I mean, I don't. The thing about her is the way that she's written, at least from my my eyes, the only thing that we really see her mention relating to her trauma of being in the Marines for six years, doing search and rescue, and bomb, like, bomb detonation and detection. Like, really fucking tough shit. But the only thing that we ever see her mention is that she gets nightmares. Yeah. When, and, and when we also not only have this piece, but we also find out apparently she has like very little, and the reason why she's stuck in this town, she has like no familial connections. Her grandfather that raised her is dead. Her brother is in Alaska as a commercial fisherman. Probably working with, with, uh, Tracker. Probably working with Tracker. Um, and it's just one of those things where it's like she has nothing. She has been through a traumatizing experience but she's not written in that way. And and especially somebody like me who has been so, like, entrenched in in media that talks about trauma narratives and PTSD and things like that. I'm just, like, kind of watching, like, what? Like, what's the point of making her a veteran at that point if not just for propaganda purposes? Which is probably what the point is. I mean, this, mo- this movie very much reminds me of... Um... Of Na- the Naprol movies we watched, where mm-hmm. there's this undercurrent of like a military background, but like it doesn't seem uh, it half the time it just feels like we're just putting this in there to deflect our movie from like critic from criticism, like you know like we're here to support the troops, so how dare you criticize us? I'm just like you're not like this is super unrealistic, and it's just like it just. It's weird, like... Yeah, it it really doesn't bring anything. Because it's like you... Like I said, like, if if this was really gonna go, oh, you know, this is a... You know, this person's been traumatized, etc., etc. And now they are in this town, and they don't know how to be a civilian, and they're disconnected. Like, it wouldn't be a story that would appeal to me personally, but it would be something. Yeah. Like, it would at least, I would at least be like, okay, there are attempts being made to make this a richer story than what it is. But it's just like, it entirely 
it just entirely just kind of pushes and brushes aside all the potentially interesting things that the story could be and all the potential that it could have as a mental illness narrative which once again as somebody who has been constantly reading and playing and watching those types of trauma narratives i'm kind of sitting there just going like this just seems like you left a whole lot on the table yeah so but so they go to like the post mass like uh we always called this coffee hour coffee hour is that what you called it i don't know catholics don't do this shit (laughs) at least not usually this is my Protestant upbringing. I lived for coffee hour. Catholics are like, get the fuck out. Go feel bad about yourself elsewhere. Uh, <laughs> I'm not wrong. Um, Fran, the realest motherfucker, approaches Joe <laughs> and is like, you have to bail Grace out because this whole community is fucking asking her 20 questions. And they have this weird exchange where he's like, oh yeah, Grace, if you need to go, you can borrow my car. In my head, I'm like, she just got into a car accident. You really want to give her your car? You can't just drive her home, you motherfucker. Right. Right. Like, I understand that Uber and Lyft may not really be working in, in what is it called, River Crossing, but like... And, yeah, it, it, the town's called River Crossing. We only see the fucking town sign like eight times throughout the movie. <laughs> Me does not retain it at all. It's called River Crossing, right? Anyway, he's like, yeah, drive the, the, my car. The, the movie is 83 minutes long. It's not even an hour and a half. And, like, they're just like, boom, rivers crossing, boom, rivers crossing. It also took us, like, two and a half hours to watch. This movie was fucking painful. We literally, like, sat down, we hit play, five minutes in, we're like, oh, fuck. (laughs) Anyway, um, so she's on her way home, she's going ten over the speed limit. What kind of, like, uh, fastidious bullshit cop is pulling you over for going ten over? Coop. Yeah, Cooper pulls her over. And, like, it's just like, you were doing 10, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm going to abuse my power because I'm a jackass. And apparently the the judge was right behind them. Like, he left, like, two minutes after she did. Mm -hmm. Because he pulls up with his sister. He's just like, is there a problem, officer? Why don't you let Grace go, you idiot? Though he doesn't say it that way because that wouldn't entail that he actually had some personality. Right. Like, that's the thing. It's like, he's so boring. And he has, like, no bite to him. So, um, I think I might have mentioned this before. Red Letter Media, uh, in their Star Wars prequel reviews, they brought up a very good point. If you can't, like, the way to tell a good character is you can describe them using adjectives and never once mention what they do. I cannot, like, none of these characters has that. Cooper is just the cop. Like, Joe is just the judge. Grace is just the veteran. I They have no discerning passions except for Christmas. It is terrible, terrible writing. Um, so then there's a long stretch of giving trees to veterans at the military base. Yeah, we meet someone, I can't even remember her name, who was also recently discharged. Um, it's Cooper's... Um, it's Cooper's wife. wife. Okay. Meet Cooper's wife, who also is a vet. Nelly? Nelly. Okay. Um, so they do a lot of that stuff. Um, uh, let's see. Yeah, I don't know. Well, you, uh, this is probably going to be a shorter episode, because there's just not much... There's no meat to this episode. No, I mean, the next scene, he's wearing a weird Christmas robe. We had a little laugh about that. Well, like, <laughs> Like, we just kept telling Grace to steal justice and leave. Oh, right. Grace also, at the base, does check in to see how Christmas is doing. Because somehow, the people at that specific military base, in that specific place, have the... have that information willfully being given to somebody who is already discharged. On one dog. On one dog. In to Afghanistan. somebody who's already been discharged. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that is how it works. Who knows? And also, like, Afghanistan is on, is on a completely different hemisphere at a completely different time zone. Like, <laughs> they're like, yeah, let me just quick... Let like, me do a Google search on Christmas. <laughs> let me just real quick call up that base when it's probably the middle of the night. And, like, so, oh, my God. Like, 
Oh, and her dog is named Christmas, because of course the dog's name is Christmas. Right, right. So the next scene... If you can't see how this movie's gonna end by now, then I'm sorry, you don't understand how media works. No. So the next scene, we have the weird rope. Um, she says that she will feed Justice. He reveals that he has a lot of specifics in how he feeds her, which, fine, whatever, she deserves it. Um, and then... <laughs> She, like, just appears at the courthouse watching him give some weird, nonsensical soliloquy about, like, justice and this law. Is, that's, that's Aristotle for those keeping score at home, and I swear to God, if I could punch his teeth in, I would. It was just, like, so, like, out of context and odd and just, like, so disconnected. It just made no sense. It's like, why are you just talking about Aristotle in the middle of, like, this goddamn courthouse in the middle of nowhere America? And, like, there's a point where, like, he's giving judgment on a white kid who got a, like, a tra- traffic ticket and you know the kid's just gonna get off because he's white. Yeah, I was just, like, infuriating. sitting there. I was just, like, sitting there. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. It's how this is gonna go. And he's like, you have to work at a soup kitchen. I'm like, okay. And he's like, and I want you to go to college. Yeah, because, and also, like, there doesn't appear to be anybody who's, like, below, like, upper to upper middle class in this town. Like, right. There's no financial disparity in this there's town. There's also, like, two children in the whole whole town and they're Katie's kids. Yeah, like... <sighs> it's a bizarre little community. It's a bizarre, like... <laughs> I love Lifetime movies because they are bizarre and weird, but this is just bizarre in a, like, Pat Boone, everything's fine kind of way. Right. It's very unsettling. It's also very unsettling, I feel like. It just, because it's just not, it's not to say that it, I don't want to be like, it's not realistic. Because I'm sure there are very small towns that are predominantly Christian that, like, really love December and really love Christmas. I'm sure I don't have an exact frame of reference, but it's just, like, when you come from an area that is not like that, it's just very, like, unsettling. It's like, Like, I I, I love New Jersey, because I feel like New Jersey, there's this undercurrent of just, like, we're not, like, we all know we're not wholesome, and we're, (laughs) like, we're perfectly okay with that. We are, we are well aware that we are, uh... (laughs) Some uh, grimy individuals. Yeah, but like we're uh, a couple scumbums. <laughs> but like, and because we kept saying like we would have loved for Grace to just end up in a New Jersey town where like if people don't like you, they tell you immediately, and like if you're nice to them, like you'll get their loyalty and they'll be ready to like charge a machine gunner's nest, like if need be. <laughs> well, it's just like what is the tension? If the town is super welcoming and there is no like. And there is no, no pushback and no anything. Then what's the purpose of it as a story? What what purpose does the setting place? Because that's what I like to think about a lot with human-based stories. Because then at that point, if it's like a very just like interpersonal relationship-based type of story, then the setting can be another character. And And in this case, it's like, the small town culture brings nothing to the tension of what is happening. Grace is being welcomed with open arms and her brain is not shitting itself over it, which would be potentially the thing, right? Like her going through this intense amount of trauma for six years. She's a civilian now. She doesn't know how to be a civilian anymore. She goes into this town and she's constantly fearful that there's a, you know, someone is going to try and one-up her or hurt her or anything like that, and then it doesn't happen. That could have been an interesting story. Yeah. Like, everyone is just sincerely nice, and she doesn't know how to deal with interacting with nice people anymore. Yeah, instead, like, Joe is her, um... Joe is her Virgil, and she is the Dante being dragged along from one Christmas event to another Christmas event. Right, for like three weeks. Yeah, but, but um, and finally, after like forty minutes in this movie, like we're nearly half or like nearly halfway through it, we finally get to see the reason we even watched this goddamn movie. Oh, not even that. But I will say the only thing that I appreciate that almost well, we have to establish why we're going to, because he reveals there's a couple things that kind of hang out at a diner, um, Joe and Grace, and she says, and he reveals he applied to a job in Chicago, and then they meet a local colonel who speaks really ominously um the whole fucking time and mentions a daughter and we were like oh okay 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 um and then joe reveals that he was engaged to said daughter and we were like okay 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 and then 
they end up, I realized like they were at a diner and then they were making food. They, they do a lot of meals in this movie. Um, she reveals that when she got out of college, she worked an office job for the Marine. She didn't really like it. Then she went to combat stuff. She says that, you know, basically working in armed forces really changes you. I think it's like what one day for a civilian is like 10 for a soldier or something yeah. weird like that. And how it, you know, really changes you. And that's like, almost something it's like a stutter step it's like maybe just maybe we can get to i understand that it's trying to be like oh it changes you but we don't know what grace was like before so how can we gleam how much she has changed yeah it it, it doesn't go anywhere she's not a known entity like there's like we don't all we know is what we are presented and well, we're presented as boring. Right. And then, like, they do things like go to uh, the barn, which apparently is going to get decorated over Christmas Eve. And they just have no chemistry. And that's the part that kills me. Because it's like, look, I love fanfic. And some of my favorite types of fanfic are the niche AU type shit, where, like, they have very specific jobs and they're in a really mundane setting. And suddenly, like, we are no longer dealing with military and war and whatever the fuck else in, in the, you know, or fantasy elements. It's just, like, real shit. And the reason why I like that type of fic is because you get that good, good character development. You get that good, good, like, holding hands when you weren't quite planning on it and you know the the kisses that were under the snow and shit and you get all of that good tropey garbage and a lot of fic writers can can really make them have chemistry and you believe in them and all that type of stuff and honestly i love a good rom-com as well which once again if you have good chemistry in a, in a rom-com it can it can save a mediocre script because you're just like oh i want to watch these two hot people have a good time. Cool. Awesome. Love it. That's what Let It Snow was. Like, that uh, teen movie on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a bunch of little moments, and they're just fucking charming. Or, um, To All the Boys I Loved Before. Mm -hmm. Like, not a whole lot happens in that movie, but I loved watching Lana Condor and the other dude, like, make googly eyes at each other because they're just so goddamn charming and wonderful. Right. I mean, that also goes with YA, right? Like, I mean, there is fantasy YA and there's other types of YA that do put you on a journey or put you into a new world. But a lot of YA that does really well is incredibly simple. It is only setting within, like, the high school and the main character's home or things like that. Like, it's not a super bombastic effort, but the chemistry is there, the enjoyment is there, these people, you don't really feel the need to want to see them end up together. Which leads to um, some weird stuff. Also, Coop is like, apparently has enough clout in the police as the only police officer to be like, hey, we need a search and rescue person. We can offer you a job. Which is bizarre. Um, and then he's like, oh, you're going to go ice skating with us. And Grace does not know how to ice skate and is really fucking up. And as she's fucking up, the reason why we saw this movie twirls onto the onto the screen and like i i couldn't tell if it was Mira mcdonald doing her own actual like ice skating but i was really hoping it was because she just comes up and like it's just like oh hey i'm marnie radcliffe like i was engaged to joe but then i left him for another man and here's the thing they don't say she cheated specifically which i don't i don't think I'm, I'm thinking she... I think she cheated, but I think Hallmark doesn't want to say she cheated. I think they just broke up, and then she, like, kind of hooked up with another dude pretty quickly. You think so? Okay. But, because even in the logic, even in the dumb logic of this movie, I don't think you go out to coffee with somebody like that if they, like, if they straight up cheated on you and left you. Hmm. So, anyway, it's another stupid cheating narrative, huzzah, or whatever. These movies are dumb. <laughs> to kind of see... Joey and Caitlin are dumb. Anyway, uh, moving on. Um, so, um, Marnie's like, "Yeah, I'm back in town. So I'd like to catch up with you." Blah blah blah. Um, Grace is just like, "Oh, I don't trust you." Right, right, and like, uh, yeah. And this is, like, the first time I think I've, like, we've seen grown-up Miriam McDonald. Yeah. Like, she is... She looks different. Yeah, like, 
I mean, I her hair is a weird color. Okay, well here's it's not a very flattering blonde on her. Here's the thing, like current season four, um, Emma Nelson. Mm-hmm. I can like I can see the evolution into this. Yes. Season one, I didn't see it. Like, yeah, her her face goes on a journey. Yeah, but like I feel like because she's like. You know, she's model pretty, like, Mm -hmm. you know, and she's, you know, beautiful young woman, and now, like, she's here, she's arrived. She has arrived. And, like, we were both, I was, like, in the the description, this is why I wanted to see the movie, they said, like, oh, but the rival, like, Marnie Radcliffe is here to, like, you know, challenge Grace's, like, love for Joe, and I'm like, yeah, I just want to see these two women, like, throw down with one another, and that does not happen. Yeah, like, Grace is very... Because that might be interesting. Right. Grace is very, just like, she, as soon as Marnie strolls on, she kind of just gives up. And she just is, like, resigned to the fact that they are talking to each other. Like, she's upset, but she's never vindictive, and she never, like, really does anything to to have any, to to establish any tension with Marnie. She just kind of holds off. Because she's watching them hug, as she's putting off her, taking off her ice skates, but she's just watching from a distance, there's sad music playing, but that's kind of it. And it's also, like, one of those things where, once again, it's like they have so little chemistry, and it's also, like, I think a big disservice of this story is they have isolated her so much that we, we don't see her talk to people, really, unless they're dragging her Christmas shopping or whatever. So we don't even hear her have any true apprehension or desire to stay. For the most part, she wants to leave, she wants to leave, she wants to leave. Yeah. And it it literally, like, there's never any apprehension until suddenly she's saying, I'm staying. Yeah. And so when she's upset, it's kind of like, okay, like, bummer, I guess, but it's not like you were planning on staying, you were going to Cincinnati anyway. Yeah. Like, you were aggressively going to Cincinnati, so, like, I don't... As a viewer, it's it's not landing. I understand what they're trying to go for because I know what a romantic trope looks like. But if you really lay it out, it's just kind of like, why are you sad? <laughs> <laughs> like, and, like, there could have been so many, like... Like, I can think of at least a half dozen plot lines that would have been better than, like, than nothing that this movie is. Like... You want to make her, like, in charge of search and rescue? Like, then make that a plot line. Like, have a kid go missing or something in the woods. And, like, you know, Grace has to use all her skills. Like, and she's just like, Justice, you're going to have to... I'm tagging you in. Like, I need you. Right. To help me search for this kid. Especially because she spends, like, the interludes training and things. Like, you know, doing little games with Justice. Like, she clearly has a knack for working with dogs. That would be probably unrealistic, but interesting. Yeah. Like, it's fine. Um, and then, like, of course, she gets sad. Whenever she gets sad, she just kind of, like, s- isolates herself and flips through pictures of Christmas the dog on her phone. Which I don't... That is, like, one thing real. I don't... That's I, real. Yeah. Like, I would be looking at those all the time, too. Like, I miss my... I miss my, like... I'm assuming she misses her, you know, uh, troop and misses Christmas. Right. Um, so the next event is Winter Wonderland, which is a carnival that kickstarts during some indeterminate date. Um, of course we have to watch a chorus of white women in Happy Holidays sweaters sing. I lost it. <laughs> uh, so it's that kind of thing. It's a tree lighting and they're like, oh, Santa's secret special helper is going to be Grace, who we're calling out in front of the whole town. This amazing veteran who has just plopped on into our town. Let's give her a round of applause and really appreciate her. Yay. God, it would have been amazing if she's just like, you know what, I'm just going to ruin Christmas for these people. I'm just going to ruin their whole fucking Christmas. <laughs> and she just like yanks down the tree. She's like, this is Grace's town now. <laughs> <laughs> From now on, the only... For now, <laughs> Grace is just like, for now on, we celebrate Halloween and Halloween alone. <laughs> Me taking over this fucking town. Um, and, like, there's a moment where she's, like, shaking her head now. I was like, same. <laughs> like, I don't want to be dragged out from a crowd. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, they make such a big spectacle out of her. And it's just so... 
you like maybe it's just because I'm an extremely anxious traumatized person but like whenever I see this type of stuff all I'm thinking about is like okay so like what's what's the drawback like when is she gonna get killed and like left in the woods like when is she going when's everyone gonna turn on her yeah speaking of speaking of which like you saying like these movies don't kind of um feel right to you like I feel this like because I'm so anxious and whatnot I feel like that's why I can't really listen to reggae music which is so calming and easygoing. Oh, okay. And I mean, I like the te- like. I'm not trying to disparage it. I think like reggae artists are very talented. You're just always like, uh, uh. I'm just like, like boss battle music starts playing and you don't know why. This is too soothing to me. <laughs> like this is too relaxing. Yeah, no, I I do tend to with like very idyllic art that does tend to be a reaction out of me, which is like. Not great, and probably something I should just add to the pile of shit I have to unpack in therapy. But it's like, it's just like one of those things. I'm getting better at when people are nice, accepting that they are just nice. But when it's media, I get really confused. It, 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 because we're so, I'm so used to just like, okay, now something bad's gonna happen. Right, and like nothing really does. So she like helps out. They do move more trees, and um, Joe just continues to be obsessed with Christmas. Dresses up as Santa, all that type of shit. Um, and then the next day, oh, and then they eventually like as the tree stuff is happening, she shares that. Her, she was raised by her grandfather with her brother and her grandfather died and how she is just extraordinarily lonely. Which I find to be really fucking sad and probably should have been like the key piece of information in this whole entire fucking thing. Should have been another plot line. <laughs> like, I mean, she mentions in the mechanic shop at the beginning of the movie, like, oh, I'm alone. But like, this just seems so, like, it seems like her, she should be in potentially obviously not everyone's gonna respond the same way but like this could potentially be an extremely triggering experience for her the fact that she is has this guy that she's spending time with and he has all of his family they all live within the town they are all extraordinarily close like she she doesn't have that she feels disconnected from it and she probably feels jealous and upset and confused and that also feels like another thing just kind of left on the table yep um Joe's so, sister then is like, hey, want to go Christmas shopping? As if she would know what to get any of these people. <laughs> so everybody's getting a lot of candles, which is my go-to. I have no idea what to shop for you. Oh, I love candles. Um, they see uh, Marnie and um, Joe outside a coffee shop. They're hugging. Like uh, Grace gets upset again, but like everything seems cool. Um, oh no, now she's like, I'm gonna go get my car, it's time to leave. And then they gaslight her. Well, no, no, you see, you see, um, at this point, Katie is like, I know what will make you feel better, a manicure. Because she's the only, not only is she a hairstylist, but she's also a nail technician. Which, I mean, she could be. But it's just kind of like, I am a one-woman salon, that's it. What do you want? What do you need? I'll give it to you. I mean, I can I can respect somebody who's that good at their craft. Yeah, no, me too. It's just like... And though I, I had also been saying throughout this movie, like, can we just take Grace to, like, do something that Grace wants to do? Right, like, it's just entirely, like, what, what the people in the town can, can give her and what they want to give her. Like, the holidays are stressful because you, like, you have to do things for everyone else. Like, it would be nice to just relax and do something for yourself. I'm not, I'm not trying to, dispar- yeah. dis- I'm not trying to disparage giving. I'm just saying, like, giving of yourself exhausts you. <laughs> well, it's also like, why does she have to give to any of these people? Yeah. She's only known them for, like, tops, like, three days. If I, like, if I was Grace, you're like, you know what, I think I'm gonna stay at that motel and just, like... Get bed bugs and accept it. <laughs> and just, like... Eat garbage food and do what the fuck I want. So you Christmas people. That's the thing. It's like, it's just, it just does not make much sense to me. Yeah, I'm getting sick of talking about this movie. Let's keep. Okay, moving. let's keep going. Um. Anyway, so she sees her, they paint nails. Um. This is where Grace actually reveals that she's really lonely and that she has nightmares. Um. But it's just like entirely under undermined. Um. Grace then, when she sees Joe later, asks about Marnie. Joe says that he bumped into her. And she asks about if she can check in on the car and that she wants to skip dinner. Um, They go to this car repair shop. And this part really made me sick because uh, the mechanic is like, yeah, I think the car is going to be fine. And as he's about to say, how is he saying that? Um, 
Joe is shaking his head and basically, like, making the mechanics say that she has to stay longer. It's like I said, it's gaslighting. Yeah, it's just entirely, like, it goes that... Ugh, it just made me really grossed out. Because, like, when... Uh, what, what, let's keep going. Right. Um, and they go to, to Christmas festivities. They see Marnie. Um, and the thing is, is, like, there's no tension with Marnie, really. Marnie? Like, Marnie's just living her life. Yeah, Marnie just seems like somebody who's also sad, but we don't care about him. Yeah, Marnie's like, Marnie, because Marnie was talking about how she can't stay stuck in this town, and now she's back. Yeah. So, like, that seems to me to be actually the more compelling. Honestly, this movie should have been focused on Marnie. Honestly, this movie should have been, like, Marnie and Grace end up together. Oh, that'd be good. Like, because Marnie's the hero. Okay. (laughs) So, let's keep going. Um, like... Grace and Joe nearly kiss on the carousel. I nearly vomit. Right. Um, they have a really trite conversation with Addie, who is one of um, Joe's nibblings, about stage fright. And then that obviously leads to Grace talking about how she was scared in the military, but she still did stuff. So obviously you can push through your stage fright because that's exactly what that's like. It's so infuriating. It's, it's you know, more more of that wanting to give you the warm and fuzzies about military involvement yeah um and then they katie is also like really weird about joe and i feel like this happens a lot in media with siblings where it's like why does the sibling sound like she like is way too invested in 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 like the possible relationships of their sibling i feel like it happens a lot and you're kind of sitting there and you're like, Katie, Katie, why are you so invested in Joe and Grace fucking? <laughs> like, it's really weird. God damn it. No, because, like, I mean, I, Susie and I talk about relationships, but, like, we never, like, yo, you should go hit that. Like, it's so fucking gross. There's, like, a divide that happens, I feel like. And, like, <laughs> it's been a while since I've had a sibling. But... Like, I feel like there's just, like, a line, and I feel like a lot of writing crosses that line really, 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 really frequently, and they just kind of just seem to miss the mark of how siblings operate. Yeah. It's weird, because I assume the people writing these statistically very likely have siblings. Yeah. Um, so then the stupid Christmas play happens. Um, and he's like, was I brave? Ugh. Um, these kids are like really fucking precocious there's only like two children in this movie and they're the most precocious fucking children the the whole thing like these people can't write children either like the children are not acting their age no and Joe during all this gets a call saying on Christmas Eve I don't know what day it is in the evening which is still a weird time to get a job offer um, it's the it's the eve it's Christmas Eve Eve yeah the eve of Christmas Eve. The, um, the, the three wise men are just, like, packing up their their stuff to go. You know, they're beginning to... Yeah, exactly. You know, we're, we're gonna make our way over. Um, so, it's, it's like, he gets the job offer for the job in Chicago. He finds out that he's supposed to start on January 5th. And, of course, he reveals that to Grace, but Addie is right there. And Addie's just like, that you can't leave. You're the person I care about the most. I care about you so much, even though you've only seen me for two scenes before this. And her mom's just like, uh, single mom doing her best here. Right, like, Katie's just trying her fucking best. Honestly, as much as I came down on Katie for her weird statements about Joe, ultimately, she's she's just trying. Yeah. She's trying really fucking hard. Really? Could you... Well, anyway, moving on. Um, anyway, um, Joe is also Santa for a little bit. This is where he's which actually is Santa. Bullshit. Which like, is bullshit. Just taking jobs away from the older men in this town. Yeah, um, and she hears Joe talking to Marnie the next day. And Frank's like, oh my god, he got Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, probably. Um, and... Kate and Grace is so upset. She also just like I couldn't quite figure out if the coat that she was wearing is is Grace is uh, Katie's or if she's like is she stealing this coat anyway? She's she, definitely stealing this coat from Katie. She like grabs a bunch of her stuff. Yeah, because no, because in the first in the first scene when she's in the car, she's wearing like a puffy down jacket. Like you would expect somebody in the military or somebody sensible traveling through right. the like blasted but also she's cold also- scape of. 
Wherever the Midwest. <laughs> but also, she like has luggage, and yet, like, she was so stressed out about her having clothes. I don't, I don't get it. Anyway, but she had like military luggage. Anyway, um, so she is like zooming off. She leaves a note, um, and I we were saying you're going. Why don't you just steal justice while you're at it? Like, yeah, just I was saying like she just go on a Skyrim like thieving fest. Thieving fest that only ends when she's overencumbered and cannot run anymore. Right. Um, then she goes to the diner. She tells Cooper that she's leaving. She's leaving the car there, blah, blah, blah. Um, and Coop is like... And Cooper tells Joe. And Joe is like, you have to stalk her. Straight up. It's just like, you have to stalk her, Coop. Like, Coop, abuse your power and stop this bus. Right. Make dozens of people late. Never mind the fact that earlier in the movie, he does pull the police car over and is basically like, you need to take the job that I'm offering you. And I'm like, shut up, you piece of shit. So then they bring her back to the barn where everybody's waiting for him to like, we were fast forwarding at this point, but mm. Chris- Christmas shows up. Yeah, so Christmas appears and is super happy to see Grace again. Joe is turning down the position. Grace is going to stay in this goddamn town. Where she will continue to be gaslit by every other person. She should just fall in love with Marnie, who is the real hero of the story. Who who went into the effort of finding a way to honorably discharge a dog within, <laughs> like, 24 hours. Mar- Marnie's, the he- Marnie's the true hero of Christmas, both the holiday and the dog. Um, I give this movie zero stars. I hate this movie. Everybody's such a garbage person except for Marnie. Um, Marnie is the the actual realist motherfucker of this movie. Yeah. Um, fuck this movie. I hope never watch it. Though, you know what I'll give it? Yeah, I'll give it this one credit. It's better than the Lifetime movie we watched. That's true. And also, Justice is so fucking cute. She's too young. That was it. Um, Justice is so cute. So, yeah. Um, let's move over to recommendations. I'm just done. <laughs> um, I'm recommending the Sawbones episode, uh, from December of 2018, A Town Called Christmas, <laughs> where it's just the entire McElroy crew putting on one of these shitty ha- Hallmark, uh, movies, but the main character is played by Sidney McElroy, who's just like, you're all idiots, Christmas can't save anything. <laughs> nice. Um, my recommendations, I mean... I've been playing, as we know, I've been playing Fire Emblem Three Houses, so I guess if you want to see better attempts at looking at how trauma, like, really consumes you when you try to make connections with people, not a bad call. Um, and, um, it's Christmas, so I usually end up recommending my one Christmas album that I like to listen to, which is called, like, A Gift From God, or whatever, by Chris Farron, which is my personal favorite collection of Christmas songs that are not the usual ones that you listen to. Um, it's really delightful and charming and has some, has like a wide range of emotions in the album, which is also really good. So that's my recommendation. So uh, if you want to talk to us, continue your conversation, ask us why the hell we watch this. We don't know either. But you can try and email us at ihopepod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at ihopepod. You can join our Facebook group at I Hope I Can Make It Through Podcast. Um, winter break is going on for me, so hopefully I'll be able to start cleaning up and consistently posting on social media. So stay tuned for that. Um, if you want to support us, you can donate to our coffee account. You can also leave a review or a rating. Once we hit 20 reviews, we're going back into the Degrassi archives to so check out Degrassi Junior High and Degrassi High. Once we hit... 30 reviews we're going to do a plotline shuffle uh plot story and if we hit 40 i am going to write jay spinner fanfic so just some initiatives to uh get you interested in doing that stuff thank you everybody who's been supporting our show we're hoping that as we go into 2020 we're going to be able to be more with it um and we just want to say that we appreciate you um and Happy holidays of all sorts, and we hope that, I don't know, this next year is better than this year, because fuck this year. Seriously. Fuck Um, 2019. I have another podcast uh, called Teen Girl Talk that I do with my sister. Um, This week, uh, our our Christmas episode is us reviewing the movie Black Christmas, um, which looks pretty awesome. I haven't watched it yet, and I haven't recorded the episode yet. Um... But, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, because it looks like it's a bunch of sorority girls killing uh, people trying to kill them. 
Um, I have a Wattpad that is, the link is in the description. It has one of my earlier manuscripts that I'm going to be putting up more chapters of. And I have a YouTube channel that I've not done anything with, but plan to do something with in the future. Nice. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at DM is Unbreakable. As we know, it is Fire Emblem Hellhole Central, but it also is sometimes me posting about other things as well as my writing. So if you want to see what I write when I am not just rambling about Degrassi, that is probably your best place to see it. I actually recently wrote a meta about Dimitri Fire Emblem and personality disorders, which I'm actually pretty proud of, which is the pinned tweet if you want to check that out. Um, that being said, everybody, we hope we can keep making it through. We have two more episodes to record today, so we really need the well wishes. Um, and we hope that you can keep making it through with us. See you next week. Later. Bye. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your Have yourself a merry